Welcome to another episode of History. My name is Kirk with Walrus Carp, and today we are going to take an illustrious tour through Hollywood where you become a star as we go back to 2001 and celebrate the wonderful world that was Superstar Limo. With me, with me as always, is the amazingly well-researched European version of Kate's The Disney Cicero. Hey, welcome back to the States. How are we doing this evening? Thank you. Um, I'm doing I'm doing good. Um I European version. I'll take it. Like that's great. I do. Yeah, you're it. fancy, dude. You're fancy pants. <laughs> yeah. I am wearing my Disneyland Paris ears because they look very Hollywood. I was like, let's pick something oh, that's okay. very flashy. Um I, I... I went with uh what I think I would feel like if I was in the queue for this ride. <laughs> that's awesome. Um so I'm very excited that this was your choice to to do this one. And I'm yeah. so excited when you chose it because the last one we did um, a little while back uh, when we talked about the Michael Eisner area, era and we talked about Disney Cruise Line, which was a little bit of a like pro Michael Eisner. And now this one is like one of Michael Eisner's greatest failures. <laughs> so I'm very excited to talk about Dude, what in the... I, I thought we had like an agreement that this wasn't just going to be like a bashing, you know? I mean, that's it's unfair. It's not. It's not. I will not. I will not make it an entire bashing. But I yeah, just want to say, hang on, hang on. I something came up on my screen. It's Time Magazine. Why is the mouth smiling? Because Michael Eisner's magic transformed Disney into a three billion dollar kingdom. Gosh, that's crazy. Sorry, sorry. I don't know how that got up there. You were bashing. Wait, what were you saying about him? Well, I'm I'm so the cover of Time Magazine. Just cannot wait to get to the point where we talk about where the ride, at, like the guest satisfaction scores, were more positive if the ride was closed than when it was open. Just really excited for that. Anyway, so as we always do, shall we start at the very beginning? Um, right, not not the beginning, beginning. Like we've already talked about California Adventure. I don't want to get into the big giant history of California Adventure um, Park, uh, but to give it just a little bit of context of where we're going, um, California Adventure opened in 2001, which is uh, when this ride opened as well with the opening of the park. Before that, what Kirk is showing you is actually a Westcott uh, idea that they had scrapped because they didn't have enough money. Uh, basically what happened was uh, they were expecting Disneyland Paris to be, or Euro Disney at the time, to be a huge success. And it, in fact, uh, was not the success that they had hoped for. So they just didn't have the budget that they had planned for Westcott. So I have this wonderful article from the New York Times that shows uh, when you wish upon a deficit. For when Euro you Disney. wish upon a deficit, ignore <laughs> cultural norms and important things. Ignore the country that you're in. And Kate will still go and visit your park just recently. <laughs> so, hey, listen, I know you keep hating on him, but you did get to visit a place that he built. Oh, well, he built he built it, but it got anyway. That's all, that's another argument for another time. We're just going to move on. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> um, anyway, so they redesigned the project to open what would become um, Disney's California Adventure instead. Basically, they went on a retreat with the, the bigwigs uh, at Disney and said, like, hey, we got to, like, figure out 
what to do now uh, because we can't do this big park. We got to slash it by a couple billion. Um, so instead, they came up with this 1.4 billion plan, which was roughly half the price of Westcott. And it, uh, it it felt it when it opened. It was very kind of cheaply made. We've talked about the off the shelf. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time, 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 time. I know you love Venom, but let's take some anti-Venom here for a second. It actually logically makes sense, right? So if you look at things, and this, I'll pay you a compliment. Eisner likes to steal ideas. So does a lot of other companies. They steal ideas. The big part with, for example, doing... Uh, MGM Studios was because Universal was building in Orlando, a studio there, plus the real estate costs in California were high. That was a good idea, and it ended up working out well down the line. Here, the biggest problem with Disneyland is that Disneyland was a one-day park. So you did have a hotel, but you really wanted to have people stay there and do multiple days and not just day trips. So most people who were tourists coming into the L.A. Anaheim area would leave and go and explore the other areas of California. So the thought process was, why don't we take some of those great tourist attractions that they could go and visit one day and bring them closer with a secondary park? Now, is that the greatest idea to build a California park in California? No, we know that. And this this park has still been troubled. It has some really great things now. But it took a good solid 22 years to finally get to where I think the park is decent. I still don't think DCA is great. I still think it's decent. But it's, yes. It's pretty good. Like, I'll spend more time over there than I, I would have back in the day. Like, you know, it's like, and it has, yeah, I mean, night, it has nighttime. Like, people will stay there through the nighttime because of World of Color. Which the, is the, show, the show was fantastic. They didn't yeah. have that before. I also think that they did a really nice job with making it kind of like Epcot Food Festival-ish yeah. in DCA. So, and DCA became kind of like the adult park, much like Epcot has that adult vibe, especially after, like, late night hours. Which is, by the way, really interesting to me, uh, doing research on Disneyland, how late those parks are open till. Like, Disneyland's open till midnight or later most nights. And I'm like, oh, God, dude. It's yeah. like, I'm going to feel like... I it throws everybody off late. when it when it closes at 11. Everybody's like, watch out. The park's closing at 11. It's closing early. You know, because... <laughs> if for me, I'm like, well, we close at 9, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it's, I get a lot more sleep at Disney World than Disneyland when I go. Oh, yeah. I stay till close all the time. And I'm wrecked <laughs> at Disneyland because I'm exhausted. But... Anyway, Disney's California Adventure was not supposed to be like a nostalgic park like Disneyland. So Disneyland was like, let's remember what it was like in like the early 1900s. Let's like go back in time to the Old West. It was very like a nostalgic park. Um, but California Adventure was meant to be a contemporary park. So it was meant to be like right now. And, uh, and I love Imagineer Neil Engel said, uh, keep it hip for the kids. Like we had to like uh, keep it very like updated all the time that was kind of the goal which i think is where it kind of lands us into the idea for superstar limo was really trying to appeal to that we could talk about the history of california adventure as a whole all day long but we really want to dig into this particular attraction which i i have the words to describe it it said get ready to be taken for a ride through a wacky whimsical version of hollywood where you're tinseltown's biggest new star don't you feel like we get that, though? Like, we totally get that. Yeah. It landed on the quote. <laughs> it's I mean, wacky. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't you wish you got I'll... to go and ride this once, though? 
Yeah, just re- just to say I did. I don't yeah. I don't think I did. I don't remember this specifically. I did go there shortly after it opened, but I don't remember okay. riding this attraction because it wasn't open very long. So Right. Um so a little bit little bit of backstory on this attraction. Well, you know what? I guess we can talk about concept before this because originally this attraction yeah, why don't we do that? So before I go into what the attraction actually became, uh so the concept was and this kind of came from Eisner, the fact that he wanted to turn you into your own star, right? But the they wanted to make something that was high speed, fun, and exciting. And actually, I'm going to describe something to you right now, and you're going to go, wait, that exists. Board a limousine and go super, super fast on the downtown highway to get to a theater on time. Does that sound like any attractions we currently have? So it's... So it, it's actually kind of interesting because the development of Rock and Roller Coaster and Superstar Limo were happening at the exact same time. So even like the cutouts and design that we'll see in Superstar Limo as we look at images, uh, a lot of that gets repurposed into Rock and Roller Coaster, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, so, but there was, there was supposed to be, you are in a limo, paparazzi are chasing you, you are speeding through uh, to get on time to like an award ceremony, basically. So that was the, the original concept. Yeah. So in the original plans, this is in an area that um, was called Hollywood Pictures Backlot. So this was the main attraction for this area. And it was they were supposed to have a miniature version of the L.A. airport theme building. With If you're familiar with that at all, um, it had a restaurant inside called Encounters that the Imagineers actually designed. And this is what it looked like. It's still- it was crazy. They they were designing this as they were designing BCA, which I thought was interesting. You know, that's such an iconic I had no idea until I started researching this that they had designed LAX. Yeah. Well, and it and so the plan was to have just a little miniature version of this that you would see when you went by on the monorail and that you would um you it would it would be the scene setting for this attraction was the idea that you were arriving uh by air through LAX and then you're like going to go see Hollywood. So, you know, and then you're a big star. So um, it was interesting because they described it as a combination of like a kid's roller coaster and like a really wild Mr. Toad's wild ride. That was like yeah, what so, it was so, to be. So like if I, I think about it honestly as if you took out the inversions and that speed launch from Rock and Roller Coaster, it has that campy black light plywood, uh, very similar to what you get in Mr. Toad's wild ride. Uh, there, there was supposed to be some like really crude jokes too. Uh, in one part, there was you were gonna you were gonna pass all these different icons, uh, and one of them was a hot dog stand, and you would see what would look like an Elvis character being very flatulent. But then when you go on the opposite side of it, it was just Elvis putting mustard on a hot dog. So it was like it had some some campy pun slash uh, like crude humor in it. Uh. yeah yeah it's uh i have kind of like a run through of what it would have been like okay um, yeah go for it so i have you the guest or the big time celebrity hollywood's latest sensation uh you're in danger of being late for your very own film premiere so as you board your limousine uh ceo michael eisner so he's actually was kind of like featured in this ride would appear on the ride vehicle's video screen and remind you that you still hadn't signed the contract for your next picture a big film that you're supposed to be making for Walt Disney Studios. So you're like, oh, no, I haven't signed my contract, right? Michael would then tell you that he'd be waiting for you at the end of the the ride at the red carpet for Grauman's Chinese Theater. 
and uh, your fortune would would be made if you you just got to get to the theater safely and uh, and sign your contract. But Eisner would warn you that the paparazzi was out there in full force, and he said, "Don't do anything that would ruin your reputation." So your goal was to like get to the theater without ruining your reputation. <laughs> I don't know how you do that on like a liberal ride, right? but in my in my personal opinion, it's maybe it's a metaphor for Hollywood. You know, yeah. you just gotta you gotta stay on the up and up, do the right things, make some good decisions. But yeah. There there was a lot of like insider language and lingo and jokes and whatnot for this entire attraction. Yeah, that I think that I think that guests would not pick up on at No, all. no. Um so the limo driver then says, So you're late for your premiere. Don't worry, I got a few shortcuts. And then with a screech of tires, you're off on a wild trip through Hollywood. And you mentioned um rock and roller coaster. And yes, what what happened was they actually took some of the ideas from this attraction and then they used it over there. So it makes sense that they look a lot alike. Um so no matter uh what route your limousine like took to the premiere, you'd encounter a pack of paparazzi like popping up to like take your picture and uh and then you see the click of the cameras and the flash of the bulbs and then you kind of like like uh swing away from them and go some other direction. <laughs> Not my reputation. <laughs> You know what they would say? If the paparazzi took a picture of uh of Kate in a limo going to her premiere, it'd probably be her reading a book or editing a video on her phone or writing. It would be it would it wouldn't be the most be like scathing picture of Disney historian. They'd have to make up some sort of story about what I was writing or reading to make it scandalous. Right. Like, what she was reading in the car. What was she reading? It would be, it'd be something. Yeah, it, there's nothing. Anyway, so at the end, you're unsuccessful in your attempt to evade the paparazzi. Uh, and they showed ride vehicles of guests riding Superstar Limo. And they kind of like superimposed you on the the front of like a national Enquirer magazine like a tabloid right um and then politely uh, um michael eisner would uh, renege on his promise deal he'd say better luck next time kid and that would which be- i think is pretty accurate i yeah. think he would do that to you yeah yeah <laughs> uh and then you would step out onto the red carpet of grandma's chinese theater which i guess at this point like the cast members were supposed to be cheering for you kind of like you do when you go to uh all-star movies i don't know if you've ever stayed there but you like step out onto the red carpet when you get there and yeah. cheer for you i think i feel like they borrowed that concept um and and i you know every time i step into the all-stars i'm like man i really do feel like a movie star <laughs> i do not but i'm glad you do <laughs> nobody would Anyway, so you step out on the red carpet on Grandma's Chinese Theater, and then they have the limo gift shop with little miniature Oscars and T-shirts and say Hollywood's next big thing and like all those kinds of stuff. So that was the idea. And um, talking about kind of like the gags that are in it, like you were mentioning, um, they were meant to be kind of these like loud, obnoxious, kind of like obvious things that you would see that you would get going by really, really fast because, you know, you think about it. If you think about the rides like Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean, where you're going by pretty slow pace, you have a lot, you can, you have a lot of time to take in all the details. But this, if you think of any uh, fast roller coaster, you think like they're showing you one big thing that they, like a concept they want you to get 
that that term that we've used of visual economy before, you know, like you have like two seconds to get the idea of what they're trying to get across. And so they really didn't have a lot of sets for it. They only had a couple of like major pieces because they figured people would be going by really fast. So I have um, a quote from uh, Neil Engel, who is that uh, show producer for Superstar Limo. And he said, Limo is a uh, Disney turn on Hollywood. Again, the hip contemporary Hollywood that was really designed to be a show for the whole family. When you look around DCA, one of the things that we wanted to include in it was something that had its roots in classic Disney. Black light rides, color, and kind of crazy driving in a pretty, pretty car is a hallmark of a lot of our shows. So we said, how can we do that and still be contemporary and still be Hollywood? So what Superstar Limo is, is a chance for the whole family to experience the inside of Hollywood. What is it like for you to be a star? For you to experience the 15 minutes of fame everyone supposedly gets, according to Andy Warhol, in all, all in three and a half minutes. So what it is, is our pastiche on Hollywood. And in a sense, we overloaded it with lots of scenery and lots of visual gags because you're driving through a city and a city by its very nature is, oh my God, what is that? Oh my God, what is that? You know? So it's really supposed to be kind of like in your face and, oh, I'd have to ride that 10 times really to see what's going on. It was really on purpose that way. So he's kind of talking about like where we're going next into this. So my apologies that that quote was a little bit early, but, um, so what happened with this ride? You know, I know you know what happened with that concept. I mean, it, it comes from tragedy, right? So the yeah. concept of paparazzi uh, chasing down a limo uh, comes to a, a halt with the passing of Princess Diana. So uh, those people, there was three people who, who passed. Uh, that was August 31st, uh, 1997. And so as a result... Uh, they thought it would be in poor taste to have a limo and paparazzi. So now they have to completely reframe and um, give a new identity to Superstar Limo. So Gone is a fast-paced, more thrilling attraction, which honestly, when you look back at most people's research, the, the opinions of most historians of this is that the original ride and attraction would have actually probably been pretty fun. And I, I think yeah. if you liken it to rock and roller coaster it still is a very big fan favorite even though it has kind of outdated technology it's still black light it still has like warning corkscrew on signs like so like visual economy you go through a giant donut like it's really kind of it's not great it's yeah but it still is enjoyable enough for guests to want to rewrite it uh so now we have to completely reframe this into something that isn't focused on the paparazzi chasing you down to the point where you have to speed. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it really just was very unfortunate timing, you know, and, and there's never a good time for something like that to happen. It's a tragedy, but, you know, like that they were planning the specific ride with this storyline and then this happened. And it's like, I think it was a combination of like just morally, like we shouldn't do this because people are going to be like, what, what, why would yeah, you have a yeah. ride like that? It's also a combination of the personality, right? Like, I remember growing up, Princess Diana was a big thing for even people in the States. She garnered lots and lots of attention. So this whole entire, it'd be different if it was a smaller celebrity, something that was like lesser significance in terms of global cultural impact. And I'm not saying that any death should be less impactful, but this one in particular really was visible. So, Well, it's interesting 
since uh, the picture that I showed you guys a few minutes ago is like I went to Kensington Gardens with my family on this trip when we just went to London. And you can still see people are still leaving flowers for her at the gates of Ken Kensington Gardens. And um, she has an entire playground there that's dedicated to children that my kids got to play in. And actually made me like super melancholy because I... I feel like along with a lot of, you know, like the Kennedy assassination and like 9-11, like major events, I feel like where you were when Princess, the Princess Di like passed away was like, you kind of remember that it's like something that sticks in your head. Like I remember I was at the beach with my family and I wasn't even that old at that point, but it's like, it's just one of those things that like, it was, it was a big, a big deal. So um, I think it was wise for them to pivot away from that. However, um, that was that really put them in a quandary you know like what what do we do now with this space right. how where do we go from here so they do they postpone for a few years do they build something else and they did play around with the idea of bringing t uh, twilight zone tower of terror to the park because at that point it wasn't going to be in the park yet and they were actually talking which i thought was kind of cool is potentially um maybe something with a hotel in conjunction with the attraction so it wasn't just going to be necessarily the tower they they kicked around the tires of maybe having an attraction and a hotel which would have been insane amazing i know yeah i mean that exists in other disney parks where there are hotels i mean in in paris right in the front there's a hotel that's attached there i know in tokyo disneyland sea like you can look out into the parks it's actually really a kind of interesting cultural thing that happens in japan Anybody who's staying at that hotel will wave to you from their balconies. So, like, when you're leaving, it's everybody who's, like, already in their hotel rooms waves at you. It's really cute. Aw, love that. Um, the other things they were thinking about doing is kind of having, like, um, uh, the Great Movie Ride was also something they kicked around for, for that as well. Um, I do have in my notes that Rock and Roller Coaster was an, was an idea, but I'm like, that was kind of developed at the same time. So I think that that was more, like, what if we retheme it into like a totally different theme? And then they thought it was still too close to uh, everything that happened at that point. Yeah. To do that because they wanted to make it Hollywood themed. So it was just like, it was just too, too much. Um, so they decided to change the concept. Uh, they removed a lot of the references to the paparazzi. They made the ride move as slow as possible. So it moved less than three feet per second, which is equivalent to Pinocchio. If you guys have been on the Pinocchio dark ride, um, and the Imagineers didn't like the direction it was going in, and they recommended to cancel the project. But Michael Michael Eisner refused because he loved all the inside jokes about Hollywood and L.A., and he thought it was funny. So, um, so they didn't. They kept going. Eisner particularly loved a really specific gag that was prominently featured in the concept art and the mock-up version of the ride that was called um, Dream Jerk Studio instead of DreamWorks Studio. And this was all based on his rivalry with Jeffrey Katzenberg. Now, we talked about this back in, when we debated Michael Eisner a while ago, but basically what happened between them was um, Michael Eisner brought Jeffrey Katzenberg to Disney to begin with. And everybody expected Jeffrey Katzenberg to be promoted to Frank Wells' position when uh, Frank Wells passed away in the tragic accident. So um, Jeffrey Katzenberg, for those of you who don't know, he was a producer of Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid, Lion King, Aladdin, like all of that. Like, Disney Renaissance, yeah. Yeah. So he he really was like responsible for a lot of those really amazing movies. So he was expected he was expecting to be promoted and uh he he didn't. Instead, Michael Eisner just absorbed the position 
and made himself president and CEO instead of like raising him up. It was just not a good situation between the two of them. So this annoyed Jeffrey Katzenberg. He left the company in 1994. Um, Also, Eisner refused to pay Katzenberg his contractual bonus, despite Katzenberg's offer to accept $60 million as a settlement, which was much less than he is actually owed. So um, Katzenberg was then forced to take issue to the court, and the court ruled in his favor, and the final settlement was $280 million. Uh, He had a very public fight with Michael Eisner. They were really like, it was very public. And Michael Eisner said a quote that I can't even say all of it on here because it's not polite to say. But Eisner said, I think I hate the little, and then there's an M word in there that I don't want to say on here. So he was not shy about saying how much he didn't like him. So the Dream Jerk Studio was a direct dig at uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg. And to Michael Eisner's credit, he didn't put it in the final attraction, so he never actually made it into the attraction. So I don't know if he decided to do that or somebody talked him off the ledge of having it in there or what. I don't know exactly what happened there, but it didn't end up in the actual attraction. That's a great photo you've got there. He's wearing a halo cape. He's an <laughs> angel and a saint. Sure. For those that are listening, uh, I pulled up a picture with disdain over all this. I knew this was going to happen, so I took many pictures of positivity from Michael Eisner's eras because I knew this was going to be slander this entire time. <laughs> so it's Michael Eisner with a halo over his head, and it says the good years. The good years, and then there was also some bad years. There was. It's fine. Yeah, we can't all be good. We did, for those of you who missed that episode where we debated Michael Eisner, we did come to a truce in the end and and say that there were both good years and bad years for Michael Eisner, and he did both good and maybe not so great things for Disney. And I think we can totally agree. agreement about that. So yeah, we just all in good. We just wholeheartedly disagree with the fact that he basically paved the era for really great theme parks. Nineteen ninety four, Kirk. Nineteen ninety four. <laughs> so never ends kid never ends this is the worst <laughs> anyway as kate had alluded budgets had been cut they decided to tone down the attraction they still wanted to keep some of the campiness and that two-dimensional two-dimensional was always the go-to for cheap dark ride anything in disney's culture so that's exactly what we're going to get here on the exterior it's just various locations around uh, L.A., Hollywood. So what Kate's showing is uh, the world's shortest train line, which uh, is is that in Hollywood? L.A. Yeah, it's in L.A. LA. It's called Angel's Flight. Yeah, so that's right here back on this section. And this did have uh, an accident that where the cable snapped on it and somebody passed away like a few, I think it was days or weeks before this attraction opened. But by yeah, that it was, point, it it was, was already in crazy, crazy timing for that. Yeah. They did not uh, have there, luck with this attraction. They did not. So there's a couple other things. I do have some pictures of the real life, uh, the Beverly Hills Hotel, Union Station. So there you go. You can see the clock tower in, in Kate's picture and then those big archways. Because uh, it was like you were entering. If you just, just tilt yourself a little bit so you get the Union Station sign in there. There you go. So you get Union Station. You can see the that archway a little bit better. And then next thing that they had is they also had the Beverly Hills Hotel, 
you can obviously see the Hollywood sign, but there's the Beverly Hills Hotel. And then here is what the Beverly Hills Hotel actually looks like. It's pretty cool. I look at all that traffic. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's accurate. That's, that's pretty much how it still is. Traffic is very, very normal. And then did you see about the the gag that like nobody understood in the front of this attraction that is still kind of there today? So there is on the very bottom, you can see it here. Look at the planter that has the plants in it down near the bottom. Oh, it's the pool, right? It's, it's supposed it's to be a pool. pool. Yeah, it yeah. has like a, a little ladder that looks like you're climbing into a swimming pool. But, but why is no it supposed to be a pool? Yeah, well, that's it doesn't make sense. Like nobody understood it. Like it's a, yeah, like, I, you just have this pool filled with plants. Yeah, it was it was like they used originally when they planted it. It was all white plants. They weren't even blue. It just and that was supposed to be like a reflection of the sunlight onto the pool. I, but again, I don't know why that existed or why that was significant. But it's still there minus the ladder. So if you go there today, um, in that yeah, the the planter is still there. So oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's got like this little guardrail and everything. Yeah, it actually looks a little bit more like a pool now because it's like blue. <laughs> yeah, with the blue, like the down here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And and keep in mind, kids. I know we're going ahead here. Notice the way that uh, the structure looks like now versus the way the structure looked like before. It is the same structure, just rethemed over top. Like you can see on the left hand side, if we if you go just a little bit to the Beverly Hills Hotel, you can see that's the Beverly Hills Hotel right there with the doors. But I think the doors look really cool. I think I think it's actually a really good effect the way that they redid it. But anyway, that's it moving is. ahead. Yes, we'll get we'll get there. They were also supposed to have that uh, theme building, remember, from the airport, but because of their budget got slashed like repeatedly during this project. Um, And so they didn't end up putting that theme building in there, but they kept the idea that you were going into an airport. You went through Union Station, which makes no sense. So it's like you go through Union Station, but then you're at LAX. So none of that actually made all that much sense. Um, you mean when you go into baggage claim at Union Station, it doesn't look like this? <laughs> well, I don't know. I haven't been to Union Station, maybe. <laughs> Probably didn't say LAX on it, but no. um, yeah. So now, so now we can go in. So they had all these things. They had these announcements that were going um, that would say announcing arrivals, basically at LAX. Uh, at that's what you would hear, and then you go inside the queue here, which is what Kirk is showing you. They had baggage claim. Um, they had posters with Hollywood jokes on them. They had the arrivals announcements. And then they had, oh, the, my favorite is, is, is Joan Rivers, a version of Joan Rivers. She's already got it up. Yeah. She, she, she looks like a puppet. She's like almost like a Mary. It's like a marionette and it's horrifying. I have a quote about it. Um, from Neil Engel, he said, we worked with this team of puppet designers and makers, and it actually takes four people each to run each one of those. We wanted to keep them very similar in look to our caricature profiles inside the ride. So we kept the same sort of caricaturized kind of Hollywood goonie kind of feel. But they did Joan Rivers like dirty on this. This was terrible. <laughs> They all look awful. Scary. At least in one of these puppets. And even the animatronics inside are all... Minimatronics. Minimatronics. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she also she so she said um, Hollywood's newest sensation is going to be a big star. I'm t- talking big, 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 bigger than Madonna, bigger than Leonardo. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, of course you do. That's like what she says. So, um, so yeah, Joan Rivers with the with creepy puppet version of Joan Rivers. And and I'll just I'll just throw in here. We're going to talk about a lot of celebrities as we go through this attraction because that's really basically what you're seeing is like a, a who's who of who was popular back then. But it's not really like everybody who's popular because they weren't going to pay for the rights for certain people. So basically, most of these folks had some sort of attachment in entertainment that they could use their likeness in the ride to pay very little or they already had it in their catalog to be able to utilize. Right. Basically, they already had contracts with the Walt mm-hmm. Disney Company in one way or another. Yeah. And as we go through this, um, we'll talk about with each specific celebrity we see, I actually have like their connection back to Disney so that you can know why they're there. Because otherwise it seems this like random smattering of B-list celebrities <laughs> in the ride. You mean you mean Antonio Banderas is in like your normal? <laughs> I'd say immediately who I think of when I think of Disneyland. It's, uh, right. And it's like and like Drew Carey, which, you know, he did some things with Disney back in the day. So he made a little bit more sense. But then there was, you know, there's Cindy Crawford and then there's like <laughs> there's Whoopi Goldberg. And there's just like this like like it doesn't make any sense logically. Um, the promotion for this, too, also makes no sense. The actors that they used to promote this in a commercial was horrendous as well. Was it like he, whose line is it anyway? Some of them. Yeah, it was. Yep, it was some of them. It was um, Rosie O'Donnell. Oh yeah, Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. That was that was a great clip. Um, yeah. So that's the cue, and then the cast members. The cast members, instead of saying how many was in your party, they asked you how many in your entourage is what they asked you. Foreshadowing. Fancy. <laughs> um, are we ready to get on the ride itself? I mean, who wouldn't want to ride this thing? See Disney's California Adventure like the stars. Superstar limo. Hollywood pictures backlot. Like, who doesn't want to ride that limo? Yeah, it's fancy. A big, purpley, sparkly limousine that goes three miles per hour. Really, really slow. (laughs) So... This is kind of interesting because most of the attractions, dark ride-wise, especially when they were using that kind of um, like old-school dark ride technology that you would see in a Pinocchio or even some of the slot car technology, but uh, this was rudimentary, but it did have a slightly higher capacity with a third row. Previous to this, really, if you think about most of Disney's dark rides, two row at best. you know, And that was when they added rows to certain ones because most of them were one row in the beginning especially like a peter pan your pinocchio it wasn't alice one row or is alice still one row alice is two rows but you can really only fit one adult in the front because it's so small um oh really yeah you can they technically they used to see two in the front but now it's like it's really tiny but um they also use this three seat configuration for winnie the pooh um that was opened around the same time in Disneyland. So they have a three-seater in Winnie the Pooh. You have three seats in Winnie the Pooh? Yeah, it's like a giant beehive. All all the time, or is it just one? All the time. What? Just, yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much Is your capacity really good on that? Yeah, it's there's hardly ever a line unless it's like a super busy day. So Yeah, because I was going to say, if, they, if we had three in that, that would help tremendously for that ride. Yeah. And it's not as popular as some of the other rides. Like they they expected it to be more popular in Disneyland than it actually was. 
uh, because of its popularity over in Disney World. It's extremely popular there, but um, partially because of where it's located, it's tucked way in the back near the exit of like Splash Mountain is where it is. So it's not it's not in Fantasyland where everybody's just hopping from ride to ride. It's like you have yeah, to don't they like, don't they have that delicious like uh, bakery case back there? If that's not enough of a carrot to bring people, I would I love this it, tiger or Tigger Tails. Tigger Tails, yeah, I, yeah, I think they're it's, really good. It's a great place to go for your kids while you're waiting for somebody to go on Splash Mountain. So that's the main draw to be back there. I mean, I, I like the ride. It's it's fine. But it, they expect they blew it like up like it's going to be this huge major thing. And a lot of people, the the response from it was like, eh, it's fine. It's like flats and, you know, not that big a deal. So anyway, that's Winnie the Pooh. But going back to Superstar Limo, um, it it's. At some point, I think Michael Eisner started to realize that this ride maybe wasn't the greatest. <laughs> because And like any good leader, pulls himself out of it and replaces himself with a really smarmy, gross-looking uh, Hollywood agent puppet. Swifty LaRue was who you see on the little screens inside your limo. Um, and he is he does have, like, live human hands, but then he has a puppet face. So if you're ever trying to figure out, like, why he looks so creepy, that's why. It's like his face isn't real, but his hands are. So it's like our brains are like, what is happening there? He's creepy because, you know what's really bad is, is he where, oh, gosh, it's so bad. It, he has a giant huge collar, wide open, smoking a cigar, bald. Uh, he was described as a greasy, foul mouth, and a, like basically very brusque human. And uh, and it was in and that's kind of the joke too that I don't think most guests would understand is that a Hollywood agent like Swifty LaRue would be kind of your like you know, I, he's like kind of like of a, uh, I don't know, like it he seems like a swindler. He doesn't seem like somebody that you would trust. And yet these poor actors, that's what they have as their agents. I just, you know, if I'm such a big star, I am not going to have that guy represent me. I'm just Swifty LaRue. No. What do you mean, Adi? He's like, he's like kissing the whole time. He's like blowing smooches the whole. It's so weird. He's kissing the entire time. It's very strange. You start off with this LAX ground transportation area. That's where you're loading. So it's like you're got you're, you're at the airport. You're getting in your limo to take it take you to Hollywood. Uh, your chauffeur says, "Hey, aren't you Hollywood's newest superstar? Please be sure to keep your arms, legs, and egos inside the limo at all time." And I really do love this map from Park Lore. I think they did a great I know. job did, with this. He did an amazing job, and I love that he overlaid the monsters uh, ink on top of it too. So it, it has a really smooth feature. So yeah, if you check out Parklore, we've used Parklore before for uh, ride uh, layouts and maps. They're just really, really helpful. But yes, to what Kate was talking about, you leave that ground transportation area, and now we're moving into a dark tunnel. Which it, there are a ton of different tunnels. And each one of these tunnels is when Swifty LaRue is usually saying something to you. And basically starts out in this attraction saying, all right, babe, you got to make it to uh, the, to sign your contract in time. So don't be late. All right. He says, so this is really important. It's your picture phone rings and your chauffeur says, there's a collect call for you. It's your new agent. He calls a new collect. You gotta accept the charges. <laughs> He's like so 
smarmy that he won't even like pay he won't even call <laughs> he's like swifty here babe welcome to hollywood looking sensational what no 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 do your voice i know you have a sweet no that's just no swifty voice he blows kisses to you and it's like listen i have your contract for you at the premiere okay just get the chinese theater pronto you hear me I don't got a voice. You got the voice. You have the voice. Everybody's waiting. Capiche? Now don't be late, babe. More kinkins. Do the voices. I'm not going to have my voice. First my God. I did it for you, Kirk. You have the right. I'm so... I have uh, I, I welcome back to live tape history. Oh, it feels good to be back. Let's go. Some endorphins. Oh my goodness. That was a good Swifty. That was a good Swifty LaRue. That was as good as it gets. Um, so he's blowing all the kisses, you're going through the tunnel, and then you go then you do the um, Beverly Hills is where we start, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. We do. So, chauffeur says, we... don't worry, we'll get you there in time. Our first stop is Glamorous Rodeo Drive. And there is Regis Philbin. And that's my final answer. <laughs> Ride is so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Regis was the co-host of Buena Vista Television's uh, syndicated hit syndicated syndicated series Live with Regis and Kelly. Some of you might remember that show. And um, he was also MC of ABC's hit game show Super Millionaire, which is why he's holding the money. He's leaving the silver. Oh God, this I can't. It's so bad. You know what it looks like? It looks like somebody bought. A really terrible Regis Philbin mask for like Halloween. It's like yeah, it a does. terrible one, like a like a purge mask of Regis Philbin. Okay, Kirk, we have to do our best impression of this. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So Regis Philbin and. Uh, <laughs> That's, that's why he felt that he owed much of his fame and fortune to Disney, which is why um, when WDI, WDI called him and said, like, hey, will you, like, be in Superstar Limo? He, he said yes, um, because he, he just owed a lot to Disney. <laughs> that's why we just still did it. Now they owe him a lot. <laughs> All righty. So that's in Beverly Hills. Do we have any other pictures of Beverly Hills? I mostly have. Uh, I had yeah. I had Melanie I had Melanie Griffith and Antonio uh, Banderas. <laughs> <laughs> so mad! Look at his face. He's like he looks like he's going to pop you <laughs> with his flesh. <laughs> he's so menacing with his crushed velour suit, <laughs> and death stare. Um, so Melanie Griffith, uh, Melanie made a number of films for Disney back in the nineties, uh, including Paradise, A Stranger Among Us, Born Yesterday, and Too Much, T-W-O Much. And that's where she met husband Antonio Banderas, um, 
Her then-husband, though, uh, Don Johnson, hosted an American version of the TV special that celebrated the grand opening of Euro Disneyland. So she was also connected to Disney that way. Um, Antonio Banderas made an appearance in several Disney movies like Miami Rhapsody, Evita, The 13th Warrior, and Spy Kids 1, 2, and 3D. And then, of course, he met Melody on the set of Too Much. So that's why they're there together doing whatever it is they're doing with Spy All right. Three? Who do you who do you want to be? Do you want to be uh, Melody or do you want to be Antonio? Have to, have to be Melanie. I've got, okay. I've got a drink. Right. Okay, I'll be Antonio then. All right, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me. Oop, I gotta flip this. Flip, 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 flip. I feel like you gotta get that for scary eyes. They're so bad. <laughs> so bad. They're the worst. Okay, next up would be Cindy Crawford. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. What? I, um. Yes, and so. The chauffeur says, and then there's Hollywood beauty, Cindy Crawford. And uh, Cindy had a three-year development deal with ABC television and served as an online hostess for um, California Adventure when Disney.com began offering previews of Disneyland Resort's newest theme park. So she was like heavily involved on the online promotion of California Adventure. And that's why she's hanging out there doing Mm -hmm. whatever she's doing. (laughs) <laughs> she's 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 selling perfume here. She's spraying yeah. perfume dollars in front of cents. dollars and cents. So I thought it was a good gag. Yeah. All right, what's your best uh, Sydney Crawford? I need to see her closer. Like I need to. Okay, hang ready on. for my oh. close up. <laughs> All right, Mister Deville. I need something here. Hold on. Is she holding like a watch? What is she holding? That's her perfume. Oh, I'll use this. Like I need. Should I do it the other way? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's the I think that's the look because she doesn't have her. uh, She's got like her mouth. It's like a stare out, but it's like a an open mouth. So it's like I will never be a model, kid. (laughs) All right, so we're still on Sunset Strip. We're heading now to Tim Allen. He is wearing suspenders. Uh, he's in front of a comedy club called Laughter Shocks. And he is wearing suspenders with a microphone. And he looks horrible. He looks like Frankenstein. <laughs> he looks like something like has melted his face. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's melted his face. <laughs> and he's very nonchalant about it. Um so Home Improvement, the show he started, was produced by Disney's television division, as were three of his feature films, Santa Claus, Jungle the Jungle, and Santa Claus 2, of course, the other Santa Clauses as well. Um, Tim, Tim Allen, of course, was also the voice of Buzz Lightyear and Toy Story, uh, Toy Story franchise. And two of his best-selling books, Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man and I'm Not Really Here, were both published by Disney's Hyperion Press. So he had a lot of connections to Disney and uh, was no doubt under contract. So that's how yeah. we have what they call him, like TV's funny man. They have like a... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to call him that. <laughs> he said, the world famous Sunset Strip, hold your sides, everyone. It's funny man Tim Allen. That's what you're showing. Hold your sides. Hold and in fact, sides. in in their like commercial reel, the one guy's holding his sides as they drive past him. Yeah. I love, this is great. So instead of the Copa Cabana, the Cobra Cabana, I like yeah. that one. That was it. All right, ready? You got your best Tim Allen Frankenface. I feel like, like he needs like bolts in his neck. I feel like rolling his eyes or something. I need yeah, him to sure. hold. See, um, 
<laughs> That's pretty good. I th- I think you nailed that one. Uh, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. All right. He's like very nonchalant, like. <laughs> he did that. He looks bored. I think everybody else felt the same way. <laughs> All righty. So um, still on the Sunfest strip, we also have um, the chauffeur says, Jackie Chan, care to rumble? Like the script here is the part of the reason the script feels really kind of disjointed and not like uh really cohesive is because they had a lot of cooks in the kitchen for this attraction it was it was kind of like this group was working on this section this group was working on this section there wasn't like one show writer that wrote the whole thing all the way through to make it all cohesive it was just like a mess so yeah there's jackie chan Lem makes a good point hey tim you want to make santa claus too Pose for this ride. <laughs> nice. Um, so Jackie Chan, you might be asking what in the world Jackie Chan had to do with anything. Well, he sang the title song for the Chinese release of Disney's uh, Beauty and the Beast and also the Mandarin and Cantonese versions of the, the studio's release for Mulan. Um, I didn't know that. That's wild. Yeah, he was the voice of Shang for so he was a voice artist for those movies and then he also did live action work in touchstone pictures which of course is kind of like the more adult division of disney movies uh shanghai noon and shanghai nights so that's where jackie chan is connected back to disney okay we're trying to make sense of this attraction anyway What what doesn't make sense is why is he standing next to a guitar holding a guitar string (laughs) Electric. I mean, you're like, string, like, the only thing you could say is that because he was like voice acting slash singing, like maybe. It does but that music is, coming like, out of it. But... Yeah. And behind it, though, it says Martini a go-go. I don't know. Don't try to make sense of it. Just move on. Well, then there's the big UFO. <laughs> and there's a mummy bill- billboard behind that. So it's okay. like you, you go under the big UFO, which, you know, because you do. That's just what you do in L.A., apparently, is the UFO. And then you head into uh, – you get another agent called Blackout. So you're going to uh... – it's going to call Chelsea LaRue. <laughs> she, what did you always call him? Chesty? Chesty LaRue? It is. Yeah. Do you want to know what the other one is? No, I can't remember. What? Chesty LaRue and Busty Sinclair. Yes! <laughs> That's from The Simpsons. So I was going to call him Chesty LaRue. No, Swifty LaRue, which is... Swifty LaRue. Yeah. He says, um, hey, where are you? I repeat, don't be late. <laughs> Why is he kissing the whole time? It's still like that. a lot of kisses. It's... Um, and then we enter in the Bel Air area. So your chauffeur says, welcome to Bel Air, where the streets are paved with royalties and hype. How about a map to your house, Drew Carey? So we see old Drew Carey here. Talking pictures or maps to the stars, which is kind of weird because why does he have maps to the stars? He's a star at this point. I guess he's selling maps to his own place. Well, okay. So part of the reason that the celebrities exist in here is because they realized that they didn't have enough plot to make this an actual ride like there's just not enough story here it's like you get you get off of the airplane and then you like see la like that's it 
because they're not like racing to a premiere or anything. Like you're like not doing what you were originally supposed to be doing. You're just kind of touring LA. So they said, how can we make this more exciting for people? And they said, let's add some celebrities to it. So they're like, well, one of the things you do is when you go to LA, you want to celebrity sightings are like a big deal in LA, right? Apparently. So <laughs> that's probably the where they get this concept of like, not only do we have see the celebrity, it's kind of a joke in itself because it's a celebrity sighting and he's showing you where to see other celebrities. Does that make sense? No, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, dude, do you think this is a call out to um, Disney Sea with the uh, the ship all the way in the back? Right? Hey, tell me. Like, what's going Yeah. That's Port Disney right there. Yeah. Yeah. Same exact smokestacks as the... Um, the Queen Mary. Uh, yeah, as the Queen Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could be. Drew Carey had a lot of connections to Disney. He signed a TV development deal with Disney back in 1991, right after his appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Uh, but that original development deal kind of fell through. But the Drew Carey show took off. Debuted on ABC in the fall of 1995. He also had a best-selling novel, Dirty Jokes and Beer, Stories of the Unrefined, which was published by Disney's Hyperion Press. Um, in the summer of 1999, there was an Americanized version of uh, the British TV show, Whose Line Is It Anyway?, which obviously became a massive hit. Um, and then Drew Carey just loved the Disney parks in general, so he took part in the opening and promotion of Disney's Animal Kingdom and California Adventure, and that's kind of why like, it's... It's like a no-brainer that he's in here. And he also had his own theme park attraction at Disney's MGM Studios called Sounds Dangerous. So this is not the only attraction that Drew Carey was in in Disney. Yep. And he's still there. That's been <laughs> um, All right. Let's see. Where are we headed next in this wacky... Uh, <laughs> we are now heading to the Blackout Underwater. Oh, Yes. Um, sponsors are also seeking endorsements. Endorse our soda. Sell our sneakers. This is like influencer life right here. Just sign here. Um, although, then... although I get the weirdest ones ever. Me too. <laughs> I got one about toddler teething toys. And I was like, did you ever see a single video I've ever made? It's like some of the things that I've been offered to promote, I can't even talk about here. <laughs> we'll just say that. I'm like, what part of my content makes you think that that would be a fit for me? I just, nope. <laughs> they get you. They understand you, Kate. It's something. Um, anyway, so uh, chauffeur says, pool party, hold your breath now. The picture phone rings and Swifty's back saying, come on, be Swifty's favorite star and get here now. And uh, they go to Malibu where. I got time out, though. We do get to see Donald Duck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As we're jumping underwater. Which makes no sense, but sure. She's got long legs, I'll tell you. This very orange woman with maybe a fake tan. I can only, that's the only reason why I think she might be that orange. Like, she's very, very orange. Is she, is she jumping off the Queen Mary? I don't know. There's like a life raft over, or a life preserver over there. They could be. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, now we ready to head to Malibu? Sure. Malibu, where the beautiful people become even more beautiful. How do they do it? <laughs> I don't know. But one of my favorite parts about this is they have like a, a spoof on Madame Leota. She says, uh, angels, execs, producers beyond, give us a sign. The green light is on. Yeah, and it's Melissa Joan Hart in the uh, crystal ball. Oh, that I didn't know. 
That's yeah, it's it's Melissa Joan Hart, and to the right of her, it says a seance room. Yep, and yeah, it's a spoof on Madame Leota. So hang on, let me just cue this up. He he takes back for your turn to be out. You must decide if it's where you are. It is gone. Oh my gosh! So bad. It's terrible. <laughs> like, hey Melissa, you want to uh, explain it all? Then you're gonna need. <laughs> You need to do this. Oh my gosh! Well, that was terrible. It's yeah. It's like let's tie in something from the other park just randomly. Yeah, it makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. No. Um, and then we go past okay, Muscle Beach. Muscle Beach. Uh, and then that's where we run into Cher, who is actually the last um minimatronic by the way they're not audio animatronics they're called minimatronics because they have minimal motion so that's a an, if you've never heard that term before minimatronics but she was one of the last ones to be installed because her contract was the last one to get firmed up so she wasn't there during cast previews our annual past previews she was installed after so she was there by opening day but not during any previews which i thought was interesting can i can i say something yes just her head kind of looks like Cher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's... Now there is a fun visual gag here. I like that she's wearing <laughs> leggings, but it's fishnet, and there's little fish on her fishnet stockings yeah. or whatever. That made me laugh. Yeah, I mean, part of the creepiness of this is because they're they're supposed to be like caricatures. Is their head is so much larger than their bodies, oh, so yeah. like it's intentional, but it's creepy looking. Like it's just not. <laughs> actually don't have any notes about how she's connected so we can move on from share <laughs> unless you want to do an impression there uh, here i'll do an impression of share real easy hang on hang on Oop. Flip it. <laughs> you're sleeping that's what she looks like dude she is sleeping not, she's not doing anything else yeah uh, why do they make her look like she's sleeping so weird they're like, maybe it was in her contract. He's like, you can have my likeness, but you can't have my eyes. <laughs> I'm back alive. That thing stare seemed real creepy. And I, I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying. <laughs> I could have everything but my eyes. <laughs> Boy. Okay. Uh, Glad we're back. Next. Next thing we head into is it says tattoos here. Yeah, tattoos. It's like it's um there's like a mom tattoo in this tunnel. It makes no sense. It's just like random tattoos. It's well, it's for your tattoo parlor culture, I guess. That's what they're trying to get. And then your chauffeur yeah. says tattoos are all the rage. Shall I ink you in for one? <laughs> no, please. No. <laughs> I'm good. Keep driving. Yeah. Um, when we run into the paparazzi, which they did actually kind of like keep in there, um, just not as extreme. They're not chasing no. down. They just they they pop out like twice and take pictures, and then there's one part where it's like fans asking for autographs. But yeah, this is like right before we get into the studio gates. Uh, they just pop oh, out, and take pictures. Well, they're on like the. Fans. These are fans. yeah. Those are fans. There's like on the right hand side of that scene. There's paparazzi, but again, it's just like caricatures with flats and cameras yeah 
and uh, mm. they say, look up and say cheese. Show us your pearly whites. Smile for the camera. One, two, yeah, as he falls off his ladder. Ah. <laughs> he sounded like Fred Dresser. <laughs> That's that. I can sing that song, but we won't sing it here. Um, so um, now we get to the studio gates and the chauffeur says, everywhere you turn, there are Hollywood studios, which I think is funny because that's like later that became the name of Hard Disney Park, but it wasn't at the time. Um, they have a monster movie. Um, they have a barnyard musical. They have a superstar studios. And this is where they would probably would have had the dream jerk studio. I'm guessing yeah. is in this part. But there's this very... is like a mini, mini uh, great movie ride, in my opinion. Yeah, because uh, they you can see in the in it they can have like this giant. You see behind the scenes of the people who are like controlling the monster's leg. These guys on ropes that are clearly backstage, but a little out of control. And it says hot set and hot set looks like it's on fire. Uh, 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 and. <laughs> The jokes are just so bad. Um, I don't think I have any of the other ones, but so then we go to the the fa- you see the fans, and then you go to the premiere entrance. So this is the chauffeur says, "Well, this is it. It's the premiere of your very own movie." The chauffeur also says, uh, "Hollywood favorite Whoopi Goldberg." So now we have Whoopi Goldberg shows up on the red carpet. And you can remember that we had talked about how you were originally supposed to end in Grauman's Chinese Chinese Theater and get out on the red carpet. So instead of having it like at the end of the ride, when you get out of the ride, they just like incorporated it into the ride. If that yeah, it's like you're going to the theater. Oh, there she is. So um, and there's that kind of facsimile in the background of the Chinese Theater. Whoopi Goldberg, um, she did films with the studio, including Sister Act and Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. If you remember those ones from the early 90s. They, Dude, you know, Sister Act was a great film. It was. No, 100% agree. Um, she also did voice work for The Lion King. And uh, her best-selling book entitled Book was published by Disney's Hyperion Press. Uh, and she also did TV work for ABC. She hosted the Academy Awards for the network. And she was already on board for another project for DCA, which you might remember um, she was Khalifa, goddess of California, for the Golden Dreams show, which um, was is now uh, Little Mermaid. That it used to be a show in there, and now it's the Little Mermaid Adventure in California Adventure. So mm. she was already working in the park, so she was she came cheap, I bet, <laughs> for this project. Uh, so that's Whoopi Goldberg. They probably made her feel better by saying you're going to be the last celebrity. <laughs> yeah, like you're the grand finale. Yeah, you're the star. You're the finale. Yep. And uh, and then that after that you um, oh wait we have another we have another few quotes here so um, look it's Hollywood's new sensation and you know what that means don't you baby you've arrived that's what Booby Goldberg says and then the chauffeur says as they say in this town looks like you're a big boffo and don't let it go to your head and I was like what is that like that must be like insider lingo. I looked up the word term boffo, and it's a person who has extensive skill or knowledge in a particular field. So I'm guessing this is kind of like L.A. lingo. <laughs> I don't uh, know why on earth they would ever use that. Yeah, it. so it was strange, but that's 
that was what was in it. And then they went to Hollywood. The chauffeur said, now there's a familiar face smiling down from that billboard. And this is where you would see your picture. Um, oh, I got that. Ironically, though, they never sold any pictures on the ride. Or like yeah, they never sold ride great. photos. Yeah. Like you would think they show you your picture, then you're going to want to get off of the ride and go purchase your photo. Right. Like we do. Um, but they were never available for purchase the entire time their ride was open. So that was actually, I think, a missed opportunity for Disney because who wouldn't want those memorable moments <laughs> captured for all eternity? It, the funniest part <laughs> is that I feel like the picture that I have is how everyone feels when they would be on it. <laughs> like everyone's just like, oh, like, thank God. Although this guy, is, to me. So this is the guy who recorded it. Yeah, because yeah. that's his camcorder up there, you know. Yep. But like these, that kid looks shocked. They're like, "Oh man, I'm in a." And this is also the part of the story where everything is titled "You," so it's like the "You" fan club. Oh, the "You" fan the club. You popcorn, right? Just "You" fan club. Uh, and then there's the you, mer- you. Right, right, right. And then there's the you merchandise and just says you on the jackets. There's also toys that say your toys. It's like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, of all ways to like end the ride, it's just like, like, let's just celebrate them. They're the stars. And it's like, listen, I'm not much of a boffa on you, but. <laughs> Watch we like turn it. It turns out that that's some sort of like super horrible thing. <laughs> oh, dude, is it bad? I thought you said it was not. It was in the script. How do you spell it? I don't know. B O F F O. It's it's in the script, so I can't be that bad. I hope. <laughs> but... Hang on, hang on, hang on. No, 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 no. Hang on. I think it's. That's how you pronounce. It. Hang on, hang on. Bafo. A theatrical production or movie or review of one. Very successful or whole, wholehearted commentary. Or a success. Yeah. The grand finale is a genuine baffo. Yep. <laughs> that, that's, I guess that's how you could. <laughs> so, um, a Swifty's blowing more kisses to you and says, I love ya. And then they go to Melrose Avenue and uh, the announcer says, ladies and gentlemen, Hollywood's newest sensation. And uh, chauffeur says, don't you look good on camera? And that's what I call a superstar. Let me grab some popcorn because I'll know I'll be seeing you a lot in the movies. Um, And that's that. You kind of they had some of the best merch, though, from what I hear. They had some of the best ride merch of like any ride in Disney parks (laughs) because they had those like little mini Oscars and like all these like, I don't know. They said they had really great merch. So generic. I don't know know if I agree with that. That's that's just what I heard. But I haven't seen a lot of the set merch except for some pins and stuff. I don't know. I do have um, a ride review of uh, this attraction. I think this is my favorite part is now we do the review section. This is the reception, the response, the reception, if you will. Hated it. Absolutely hated hated it. it. As one person put it, this face will be better devoted to something more entertaining, such as an audio animatronic dentist doing root canals on all Imagineers who came up with the idea for Superstar Limbo. Um, Tom Wilson, who is Biff from Back to the Future, made this comment at the Thea Awards during a Men in Black Alien Attack segment. He said, At the end of the attraction, Will Smith zaps you so you won't remember anything that happened in the past five minutes. 
Disney, of course, is looking to install the same finale for Superstar Limo. They need that. <laughs> they need that bad. Do you have more? I have more. Do you have more? No, go for it. I, oh that's the only one I can find. I, I just kind of highlighted my favorites. So this one is from uh, a media response from the Orange County Register from 2001. So it says, Superstar Limo is about as cheesy as the National Enquirer. Inquirer. You know you're in for a letdown when you're greeted at LAX by Joan Rivers' animated talking head, which, by the way, actually looks better than the real person. Oh, jeez, dude. <laughs> mean yeah who is um and then they also said uh in the longview daily news they said i think they should change the name of this ride from superstar limo to it's a shill world in the rocky mountain news in 2001 they said there's a whole bunch of it but it says disney honcho michael eisner supposedly loves it and that's all that counts (laughs) they said um he also said Superstar Limo proves that even the talented Disney Imagineers can make errors on occasion. Yeah. I mean, it was an awful attraction. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah, sorry. go for it. Yep. Oh, it's a, the joke around the cast member kind of like water cooler was that Superstar Limo literally lowered guests IQ points. I mean, what's crazy about this attraction is it had one of the shortest lengths of operation, which is insane to me. Yeah, you know, it was so it was was still had a a cost to it. You know, it was it was not cheap to build. Yeah, they had to they had to build it. They had to pay people to to work on it. They had, I mean, everything that went it, into it. It was like and it closed million they, is what they yeah. paid for it. And it it closed in January of two thousand and two. There was not even a full year in operation. Well, it's not even a year. full year. And they, think about it, like the ride was operational, like it was working. It's not like, but the concept of the ride was not working. Like that's how horrendous it was. Now, and it's interesting because they did, they, so there's actual physical like guest surveys that people have seen from this time. And on the days when this ride was not operating, all of the guest satisfaction scores were much higher than if they had went on this attraction. It physically lowered the guest satisfaction score. <laughs> Which is really saying it's something. That reminds me of like Roller Coaster Tycoon. Somebody will like be right next to a trash can and they'll be like, there's not enough trash cans and they'll just throw it on the ground. And there goes my customer satisfaction score. <laughs> I should have just deleted the trash can. <laughs> the um, So there was a lot of concepts of, of what to do with this space because again- Can I say something we, yeah, really quick? Sure. I just want to say that this closed on January 10th. Which is it was it's my birthday, so I'm very excited oh, that this actually happened really closed on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> really, as a pre- it was, and you're saying Michael Eisner never gave you any presents. <laughs> 2002, I got a big present from Michael. You got a big present from Michael. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So this this attraction closes uh, January 10, 2002, and it gets no reopening. No re-theme, no discussion for a while. It gets parked. And then eventually... They claimed that it was uh, unplanned stresses on the ride system that necessitated its closure. But uh, a lot of people speculated that it was just because those guest satisfaction surveys were so low that they just didn't want to open it to raise the satisfaction of guests. No, well, I mean, stressors is correct. You would feel stressed and anxious after (laughs) riding it. So technically, they weren't lying. They were just being, you know 
stretching the truth a little bit. <laughs> so I, I thought some of the, the different concepts that Imagineers had to retheme this were really interesting. Some of them were much better than others. And in fact, I almost wish that we got one of them. That, yes, me too. Uh, that we ended up. One. Yeah, probably, probably. So one of them, um, I know they were talking about potentially doing a, like a fab five kind of like who's who of all the characters from Mickey. And in fact, I think Disney stores were removing some of these characters they had. So they had in their possession all of these different like statues and figures. So they could have put them throughout the ride. So that was like one concept. Yeah. Other concept. Yeah. It was called Goofy Superstar Limo. And they would have had over a hundred Disney characters from those Disney stores to try which to probably money. which probably would have been fine. It wouldn't have been great, but it probably no. would have been fine because guests would have been happier seeing them versus, you know, the well, celebrities at least. Yeah, and it was partially to combat the image that DCA had gotten by that point of not being a park that was friendly for kids at all. Like it yeah. really was like teenager to adult park there's nothing for kids there because this is long before they put in the bugs land area and all the stuff for kids there was nothing for kids there so they were like okay if we put this goofy superstar limo in then at least it'll appeal to children because we have all these characters in it so that was kind of one of the the idea for that yeah the other one and i wish this happens in hollywood studios so we were supposed to get a version of Muppets, it was going to be the Muppets Great Movie Ride. And it basically was going to make fun of the Great Movie Ride, the entire attraction. That was a concept. They actually built it all out. But because of Jim Henson's passing and trying to actually contractually get the Muppets under contract that took forever, they never ended up making it. uh, And they made the Great Movie Ride. uh, And that was it. There was no Muppets one. So there was potentially, I thought this was a really clever idea, Yeah, was they were going to have uh, the Muppets thrown throughout the attraction, building the attraction. So there would be lots of construction vehicles and vests and Muppets who were making fun of the previous attraction while they were tearing it down, physically constructing it into what would eventually turn into, what was the official name for Miss Piggy's? Miss Piggy's Superstar Limo. So it, it was going to turn into Miss Piggy Superstar Limo, which I think yeah. would have actually probably done better than even what we get. I, yeah, I agree. And they would have had, it would have started with Disney putting an ad in the paper reading, yeah, we know Superstar Limo stinks, but don't worry, we've got the best guys on the job of redoing it. And then it would have had a picture of Bunsen and Beaker in hard hats. I love so then that. you'd go it on the ride so and see them like actually like building all of the things. And yeah. And so the idea was that because they have so many locals, you could go on the ride. Um, and almost every time you went on it, it would be different because they have. Because they would be like, section. yeah, they would have been like taking sections out. So like, imagine this. Imagine riding through an attraction that already exists, but it is getting a retheme, but it is open during the retheme. Yeah. Is that wild? And then the fact that the, you ha- you're having IP overlaid on top of it while it's getting rethemed is like, it's a retheme while it's being rethemed. It's so clever and ingenious. I, it's sad that it never happened. It would have been a really unique park experience. And you could have yeah. been like, I was there when the Muppets were constructing this new Muppets ride. I watched they were, it. They were, right. They were the yeah. ones doing it. Exactly. I think it would have been amazing. Um, but... Uh, that never, obviously never happened. Um, in late 2002, 
Mike and Sully and Boo Visit Hollywood was floated as an idea. And this was largely trying to play nice with Pixar at this time when Michael Eisler had had not done a great job uh, making friends with Steve Jobs and they were being fairly alienating themselves from Pixar. And it was a bad situation because they really needed to have that relationship with Pixar. So they're like, well, let's retheme this to this uh, Mike and Sully Visit Hollywood idea, which is kind of weird i mean but um that never actually ended up happening either um and then when paul pressler who was president of disneyland and not a great one in my opinion um when he left the picture was ousted um the new president really wanted he was appalled with the fact that they hadn't made any big plans for the 50th anniversary of disneyland it was like huge massive important deal right so he was like, no, we got to do all this stuff. We got to, And they did. They did like a whole bunch of gold ride vehicles. They did a whole bunch of really neat things. But he's like, we got to fix this. Um, and so he wanted to put Rock and Roller Coaster in there, like just kind of bulldoze everything that was in that section and put Rock and Roller Coaster. But the budget just said no. So, um, so it really just kind of sat empty from 2002 to when they finally decided to do what they did end up doing, which uh, would be monsters inc mike and sully to the rescue which is what we have now which i actually really enjoy i remember when so it's been a very long time since i've been to disneyland but mel and i went there there was no line ever for that ride we could go on it whenever oh and it's changed and my friend is it popular now um the problem is the lightning lane situation is that everybody it's easy to get lightning lanes for it so everybody who has lightning lanes gets it and it is you will sit in that line forever in standby because of the lightning lane situation like you will wait if that if people just start flowing in front of you it's just like that's, Peter, that's peter pan that's exactly peter pan yeah well peter pan here doesn't even have a lightning lane but yeah it's a yeah but it, it, you're lucky it doesn't because yeah. your actual ride line moves i sat not sat stood three people away from boarding on peter pan where the merges for lightning lanes after the fireworks 45 minutes I didn't 45, 45 minutes I was like ah there's no way it's going to be this long and then I sat and sat and sat and sat and they just ran lightning lanes in front of us all and I'm like are we invisible I know I feel like they should take at least like every 20 or 40 people or something yeah like take a stagger it along yeah like I, a little bit. I understand that we're all paying guests number one yeah. and then there are guests that did pay for a privilege but there has to be some sort of like compromise yeah there was nothing on that, that yeah. was just straight Try well, to clear the lightning lane. That is how Monster Inc. is now. So just brace yourself. <laughs> I have lightning lanes, dude. I'm good. Um, so, uh, so this opened in January 23rd of uh, 2006 is when this new ride through opened. And it uses the same track layout and the same ride vehicles, which have been used. They just redecorated everything, essentially. Um, so now they have Monstropolis taxi cabs instead of limos. So... Um, they're kind of fun. They have license plates that say Screamer or Peekaboo, and then they have the, the number on the side says 555 Fang. Like, it's all Monstropolis-themed. Um, and so, of course, Park Lord did that great map, kind of like an overlay, so you can see between the two. As well. This is annoying. Yeah, I love that. He did the side-by-side. Here we go. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's, it's good usage of... Um, of a track that already exists. You know, why why redo it? Just retheme the whole area. 
I love Harryhausen's. Harryhausen's smells so good. I love that ginger smell. Yeah, me too. And that is actually like kind of an inside joke as well. Um, because Harryhausen's is named after the special effects pioneer Ray Harryhausen. And so they did a special effect in there as in homage to oh, that's uh, fun. Ray Harryhausen. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the, we don't, I don't know how much of this ride we want to go through because I know we've already. I don't, I don't want to go through a lot of Monsters Inc., but I do think if you have anything fun, like I want to talk about the, uh, the, the, the reuse, the reuse of animatronics. I just think that's really funny. Well, let me or go, animatronics. Let me just kind of go through like what changed to what real quick. So, yep. um, the instead of the LAX airport, you climb into just kind of like in Monstropolis, you've just kind of called a cab, and so you go into the Monstropolis tunnel, which is the original tunnel where Swifty used to come up and blow you kisses. Um, and it, and then you have uh, Beverly Hills turns into city streets. The Sunset Strip turns into Harryhausen's. The Agent Blackout area is now like boo to go. The Bel Air turns into the CDA raid. Um, Malibu turns into the locker room. Tattoos in the paparazzi becomes the scare floor. The monster movie, Barnyard Musical, and Superstar Studios becomes the door warehouse. So where all the doors are flying around. Um, the fans and premiere entrance becomes like door screens in the color-changing Randall area. And then Hollywood is Boo's Door and The Good Night. And then there's the blackouts the same. And then um, the Melrose Avenue area becomes the decontamination and the area with Roz, which is really fun. I don't know if you if you haven't been on this ride, Roz will kind of like make comments about people who are in the cab, which is really fun and interactive and makes it a little bit different every time you go, which is super fun. So do we want to talk about how they repurpose some of the CDA agents how the, or the original minimatronics to CDA agents? Yep. So I was just getting my side-by-sides together. I know you're clicking over there. Yeah, like, <laughs> what is he doing? It's like so, so much clicking. clicking. <laughs> so much clicks. Yeah, so uh, these minimatronics uh, are basically just getting uh, all of the... what? What's the... What's their... Acronym again? The CD Child CDA Child CDA. Detection the Child Detection Agency CDA. Yeah, so CDA, and you have uh, Jackie Chan, <laughs> and, and so Jackie Chan is CDA over here, and then probably the one that's most obvious to everybody is the Drew Carey one. Yeah, yeah the Drew Carey ones. Yeah, it's just so yeah. muddy because it's like the exact same pose. Yeah, like why would they? Why would they put <laughs> stuff in his hands too? The only thing I can think of is. It really is trying to pay homage to the older one rather than, you know, because they, they didn't have to put those tickets in their fans just like, you know, the maps were. Yeah. Or they're like wanted, boo wanted. <laughs> like, they're like, we have to put something in his hand. Um, the other ones that we have as well is um, the CDA agent who has been interviewed at the end is actually Whoopi Goldberg. So, like, there's a, a CDA agent that's doing, like, a TV interview. So that one's Will People Goldberg. And then uh, Agent 12200 on the left in the CDA raid is Tim Allen. And then, of course, there's Jackie Chan and Drew Carey in that same scene as well. Somebody said that Regis Philbin turned into Randall Boggs, but I don't see it in any of the ones yeah. that I've looked at. Because he's too skinny and, like, not, like, he's lizard-shaped. Oh, yes. <laughs> the the only other one that 
it was suggested, but the arm position is slightly different, is uh, this one from Cindy Crawford into this like spraying disinfectant agent. It kind of looks like it. Change her arm. Yeah. Because like the leg position looks like it could be in that way. Leg position looks good. Arm position looks good. Just, and this is still bent. So if they just rotated her shoulder, then it's plausible. But I think it's hysterical that it's like the big head. (laughs) It's funny. Um, Yeah. So that, so they just repurposed a lot of it. It's not. I think that they did a good job with it for what they have. It's not like monsters are great ride. It's it's fun. It's a fun dark ride. It's great for kids. Um, I think it's. I think that the queue is a little bit lackluster myself. Yeah, but the queue was terrible before. But so here is what the queue looks like for this is where Joan Rivers used to be, and now it just like plays um, plays some scene setting movies to put you in Monstropolis um, with the CDA. And then they also have, it's still kind of like, they have the Monstropolis Transit Authority. So instead of LAX, they have the MTA is the uh, place that you're going into for the queue. They also have that with tickets and information for the MTA. They have kind of um, little windows for that as well. And then they have, they turned, I don't think I have a picture of it, but they do, instead of all the movie posters, they have some posters that make sense for Monstropolis. And then they put in some giant, they have giant vending machines that have like things that the monsters would like in them, like stink spray and whatnot, which is really fun. Who, who talks to you instead of Swifty LaRue throughout the experience? The chauffeur. That's what his name is, the chauffeur. It's just chauffeur. But I do, who was it? It was Corey Burton, I think, that voiced the chauffeur. Okay. I did have that somewhere. Yeah, this just says chauffeur, just like you know, disembodied chauffeur because there's clearly no chauffeur in the front of your car it's just just you driving through um yeah so that i think that's that about covers it that's that's all i got yeah i like this episode it was fun because it's it's like a goofy ride that clearly was a failure but it's got an interesting story and i love talking about the re-theme and uh like uncovering stuff about the muppets i just thought it was really cool this was such a fun episode to kind of go over one of the a, a, not a great success story, but at least it's been fixed. Yeah, it's entertaining. It is. <laughs> it's grotesque. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of Distry. We loved going over this uh, attraction with you guys for Superstar Limo and visiting one of Disney's maybe not so successful endeavors, but. Uh, It's been really fun to laugh along with you guys in this episode. And Kirk, do you have any final thoughts? Don't make limo rides anymore. (laughs) We're done. We're maxed out. We got no room. And no more grotesque B-list celebrities. Please and thank you. Yeah. And let's make audio animatronics, not minimatronics. Minimatronics. Yes. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for being with us for this episode. We really loved going on this ride with you, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time.